everybody. Thanks for joining us on Taurus Tech Talk. It's good to be back. We got the band back together. <laughs> it's been a minute since our last podcast. Um, and I think that's probably just a mixture of things. Corey and I had a podcast remotely with some of our some of our good distribution partners. And that was great. It was great. But it's never the same as if you're in front of each other. Well, we have some unreleased content with Aaron and Kevin, the owners. That'll be good filler for when we've got some Absolutely. stuff like this coming You'll out. You'll want to tune in for that because we asked Aaron and Kevin are our two owners, the CEO and the president. Not at the same time. Yeah, so, that, so completely independent answers. Uh, correct. Yeah. So we we had them on the podcast separately, asked them some of the same questions, and it was really interesting to see their responses to to those questions. Some of them like, and some of them totally not yeah. the same. <laughs> uh, so today, joining us on the podcast, um, we're we're joined by Jeff and Scott with Barco, uh, guys that I've known for a little bit, especially Scott, known for many years. Jeff's new to me, so we're going to learn a little bit about Jeff yep, today. Yep. Um, and so we'll just jump right in. Why don't, uh, Jeff, you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path in pro AV and kind of how you got to Barco. Sure. So I got into Barco, uh, completely by accident, stumbled in, uh, Barco bought a company that I worked for for many years. So I, I was in the entertainment lighting business. So I worked for a company in Austin called High End Systems and, uh, we were developing a, um, a video projector on a yoke and that was uh, really exciting or interesting for Barco. So they ended up buying our small company uh, back in 2008. And uh, so I became a Barco employee at that point. And so technically yeah. I've been with Barco over a decade. Wow. Uh, but about three years ago, um, change of management in Barco, they sold the company and I got an opportunity to stay. And uh, so I started in business development for the pro AV industry, uh, knowing a lot about projection and kind of working my way from there. So when you say a projector on a yoke, mm -hmm. and let's let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think because, I, I think I know what that is, but we don't do a lot with uh, lighting and staging and, right. and and live production. So in my head, I have like the the nightclub style, yep. you know, thing that spins around that's doing some basic video projection. Or I say basic; it, it's complicated, but yeah, the old school technology was basically a lamp with a. Um, uh, what we call the gobo, which is a metal template, and it makes a design. And then that kind of moved into uh, photolithography glass. Uh, so it was a, a film uh, on glass that made a more intricate design or a more high-resolution design. And then the last iteration of that would have been actually a video image right. or a movie, a small quick-time movie or something being projected. But you could move it around and you could blend them together. Uh, but they were very low output, about 5,000, 7,000 lumens was the most. Uh, right. So we kind of hit a technology barrier because when you have a big projector, it's hard to move it around on a pan and tilt yoke. So Especially with any speed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So incredible. so with, with that then, are you loading the files directly to the projector? So, yeah. So there's two different, there were two different types of models. One had an input, so you could feed it from okay. a media server and then there was another model that had a media server on board so basically you'd preload the images or movie files or, or jpegs or whatever and then you would basically just call them back from a lighting con control console and surely barco has continued to improve upon that since <laughs> 2008 right uh barco kind of got out of that uh oh, okay. concept so there was a interim concept where we made a mirror that bolted to the front of a uh, projector so you could use a much larger projector and you're moving this giant mirror around 
And we sold some of those to stadiums and so forth, but uh, hmm. pretty much we're out of that market now. Okay. There's still a market for that, though, because I still see venues have products like yeah, that. So, I just don't know anything about it. It's Yeah, so there are some third-party offerings now, uh, some based in Asia, some based in Europe. I don't think there's a U.S. offering for a product like that right now. But you can you can get something like that for about any projector. I usually ask um, for you to tell us something interesting about yourself, but that's pretty interesting right there. I'm kind of yeah. geeked out a little bit just to, imagining it. I guess it was front and rear projection, right? Since you had such a low lumen output, you had to do a lot of things from rear projection yeah, to accomplish it. Yeah, we did. It. We did. And, and a lot of front projection in small venues, small ceiling venues, like nightclubs like you were talking about and, and things like that. Gotcha. So how did you get started with that original company that was purchased by Barco? <laughs> so that was also an accident. Um, I was in <laughs> school to learn electronic engineering and I had a fascination with lasers and they were one of the only companies in town that built a laser product. Okay. And it was a small helium neon uh, scanner for nightclubs, and I applied. And they didn't have a job opening in that division, but they had another division uh, in the moving light section. So, um, hmm. and from there, I went. I I did many things. I worked there over twenty years, so I did many things there. I I was a bench tech initially. Then I went out on tour. My first tour was uh, Dire Straits. Um, oh, I got to replace cool. uh, the main lead tech out there uh, and went straight to France and did about a month out there uh, fixing lights on tours and many and toured with many other bands or went in and out uh, sure. to help. You want to really, do that's... some more name dropping on the bands? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, so <laughs> we uh, was out with uh, Neil Diamond, uh, Queensryche, uh, Tina Turner for a short stint. Van Halen, which was one of my favorite bands to see Eddie I was play. Getting, I was getting ready to ask. Do you have a, <laughs> you have a genre that you got to work in? Yeah, so I grew, up, I grew up in the 80s, and I, I like rock and roll. So uh, I got to see my, you know, my favorite guitarist of all time who passed away last year, unfortunately. But Eddie Van Halen, uh, being, being out on tour with him was uh, for just a short while was so awesome. That's you awesome. stick around long enough here today, I'm sure you'll hear quite a bit of Van Halen. Well, Especially coming from that side of the, of the complex. Brian's out today, oh, okay. so you're probably going to miss out. <laughs> He's got an old old speaker system, and he just he just jams it with some Van Halen whenever it comes on. Yeah. So he, you ahead. you really uh, getting started with lasers in school? Then you miss the boat putting lasers on sharks completely. <laughs> <laughs> you had a real opportunity there. Yeah. To be a pioneer in that industry. Yeah. Uh, the, the company I worked for, we got out of lasers because the FDA had a, a limit of five or 10 milliwatts um, without special permits and so forth. So the company decided to focus on entertainment lighting instead of lasers. So it, it, that was a short lived thing. For probably us. a good plan. Yeah, it was. Every po- podcast we have a, a bet to see who can say lasers on sharks and Corey just won that so. oh okay <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> how can you fold that into the conversation <laughs> so, so scott uh tell us about yourself man tell us how you uh how you got in the pro av game and and now back to barco not still some of the thunder after what jeff just said <laughs> <laughs> how do you want up that how do i want up yeah, to- Queens, I toured, Reich, I toured and Van Halen and all no the- uh, yeah uh what was your question <laughs> <laughs> um so, so tell us about how you got into professional audiovisual, and then, um, and then now with Barco. I am probably twenty years now in in AV, and I have worked probably, as Jeff had said in his world, probably on every side of this business, whether it's the partner side or the manufacturing side, or in a warehouse. You know, it's like I probably have seen and worked every side of this business, and. Uh, 
like I said, done this for 20 years and started selling video conferencing. In fact, my very first sales call in the industry uh, was to a guy who uh, until recently was the head of training with Cisco Systems, but at the time he was not. He was, he was a, at a K-12 in Oklahoma, and I walked in with an Intel team station under my arm, set it down on the desk, and he looked at me and he goes, you don't know what you're doing, do you? And I said, no, sir, I really don't. He goes, here, let me set it up and I'll show you how it works. <laughs> Those are the best customer visits. I got this. Uh, well, no that's, the, that's the best first call ever then. Uh, it was great. And, and we've, we've uh, stayed friends to this day. And uh, I understand he recently went to work for Zoom, uh, like so many people in the industry have. But uh, great guy, great time. So that's, that's kind of where it started. That's kind of how I rolled into this. And this is actually my second tour of duty with Barco, and uh, glad to be working for Barco. Very cool, very cool. So tell us uh, a little bit about your roles, particularly. I mean, I think we all know here, and and I'm sure most of our viewers and listeners know that Barco is a, a massive organization. They do a lot of things. So Jeff, what what is your particular role with Barco? Yeah, so uh, just starting in April, I, I transitioned from a business development manager for the entertainment group uh, into the Tola. Uh, which is Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, RSM for a pro AV. So I look after uh, quoting and sales, uh, projection, image processing, LED, LCD, et cetera. Very cool. Yeah. Scott? And so I am the ClickShare business development manager for TOLA. Uh, I am also um, a channel manager for TOLA as well. So I'm the face of Barco to the partner community for, for Barco. Jeff and I work as a team here in the state of Texas we probably talk to each other four or five times a day. Yeah. And somebody says, uh, hey, you got a click share. I can help them. And then they'll call and say, hey, can you help us with a video wall? I'm like, talk to Jeff. <laughs> so I talk to Jeff. <laughs> That's cool, though. It's cool. You got a team to be able to bounce back and forth on. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so you told you shared something pretty interesting with me a little over a week ago. And I'd love for the public and the listeners to know this. So <laughs> well, what, I, what does Barco stand for? Uh Barco stands for the Belgian American Radio Corporation. The company started selling radio parts in the 1930s, I believe it was. Uh, and, uh, of course, the war happened, and, and then companies evolve and change. And it's grown to what it is today, which is, as you had stated, it, it does a lot of things, technically speaking, yeah. today. So not just radio parts. In fact, I don't think we even do radio <laughs> no, parts I don't anymore. Think so. right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to be at a, a technology trivia night. You think we'll ever be there together and that, and that question gets thrown out? Man, it's like a $5,000 question. We'd probably have to host that for that to be I a feel question. like a, that I could make up something um, even if I didn't get it exactly right. Like I'll get the Belgium part right, but the radio company, well, now that I'm saying it, I'll, I'll get it, I, get it I, all right. I, no, no, <laughs> I don't think you would. No, I would have gotten it completely wrong. <laughs> so... um you know, we, we talked about how Barco does a lot of things. Jeff, can you can you touch upon just a few of the things, the products and services that Barco does offer for those that may not know? Yeah, so like 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 I said, um, we obviously do LED, um, uh, LCD, image processing, uh, and then you know projection. We're known for. A lot of people don't know that Barco also uh, does medical displays. Like many hospitals, will have our our uh, displays for. Uh, uh, you know, MRI machines or any type of imaging stuff. Uh, Barco uh, just released last year a, a tool for dermatologists. They can scan skin and it looks for cancer, which is really cool. 
Um, so wow. we do we do a lot of neat technology. Um, we also have a, a very big division in digital cinema. So you might have been at a theater and and saw the Barco thing at the beginning. So that started with all the Avatar and all that. Um, so we have a really really good uh, uh, digital cinema group. And uh, Scott, am I missing control any? rooms? Oh yeah, obviously control rooms. So a lot of nine one one centers and traffic centers and construction centers we do uh, as well. And then we have uh, some... Specifically the display technologies or... Actually the full software and everything that runs them. Okay. So we, we can do the whole thing. And then uh, and then we have a, a product uh, for education that's pretty interesting as well. We connect yeah. for education. And then, of course, the collaborative tool, which is ClickShare, yeah. which has been through a complete evolution and, and oh, yeah. full enhancements. It's a totally different product than, than when I was first introduced to it several years ago. Um, and I think a lot of people know what ClickShare is, but I'm, I'm not sure a whole lot of people know what it, what it is today. Uh, so it, it, like our direct view led, it, it's a different product than it was when I, in my previous tour of duty with Barco a few years ago, Yeah, like it's, it's evolved and it's much bolder. It's much prettier, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. We got um, one about 50 feet away man. from us right oh, now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put that in earlier this year. Yeah, looks nice. I'm sure a lot of our customers obviously know Barco for projection, but I think a lot of them also know Barco for ClickShare. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you, you kind of touched upon it and ClickShare's evolution. When, when did ClickShare start? Was it 2014? Yeah, it was. It was. That's not one of the things they put in our ClickShare certification <laughs> test. When did ClickShare start? But. It was about that time because I remember carrying one under my arm to customers. Yeah. It was magic. You know, plug a button in and your content goes up on the screen. It, it was just magic. Um, I think. Well, that and at the time, you know, we were dealing with wireless presentation sharing over Wi Fi networks that was terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I know Robert and I sat in on many customer meetings and, like, we want to wirelessly present, you know, prior to the. ClickShare product, and uh, there were a couple of places that had some options, and we couldn't recommend any of them. And, and the one or two that we did, it's like, it's got to sit on the table, line of sight to the display, and it might not be glitchy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. Yep. And the, so the frame from, rate may be about uh, 300 milliseconds, but you and, can barely see it. And that's really recently. I mean, in comparison to a lot of other technologies, yeah. that that's significantly improved and then yeah. obviously all of your competitors have come out of the woodwork well with with the advent of clickshare conference that was released just just as covid happened last year like yeah within two weeks of covid happening we rolled this product out and and i think the whole world just stopped but the amazing thing is that particular product aligned itself beautifully for the return to work strategy. So yeah. now that everybody's coming back to work, as uh, Robert, as, as we've talked about, uh, I am so busy right now with people who are so interested in this hybrid work environment. How is the new work culture going to look? And how do I make my meeting spaces streamlined, simpler, easier, uh, automated, if you will? And this new ClickShare conference product just just fits that mold beautifully. Yeah. And so uh, I've been very busy with that. And in fact, uh, two weeks ago, we just rolled out another version of ClickShare, which is called ClickShare Present. Uh, new C5 and C10 are the acronym. Those products ultimately will replace the CSE series of products, which will continue to ship through this year. Um, 
but I would look for this the new ClickShare Present to replace those. So this product is evolving and expanding and adopting new technologies, more powerful processing in it. Uh, so so look for those. They're really, really exciting products. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the Present product? I, I'm fairly familiar with the conference product at this point. but ClickShare Present just came out. Uh, the, the C5 version will ship with no button. And I think a lot of people are like, well, do I have to have a button? <laughs> and I find that some people absolutely love the button. Yeah. It, it's Barco's golden arches, if you will. Uh, they'll, they'll, I say, always be a button. Usually be a button. But this new C5 ships without a button. It, well, how do I connect? It connects with a desktop app. Yeah. So there is a virtual way to connect with a virtual button on the desktop. The C10, its brother, will ship with one button. Uh, these are meant as simple collaboration devices. They're not really designed to be a video integrated or a cloud-based video integrated product like the ClickShare conference is. Right. It's designed with that in mind. But the ClickShare presenters say, look, I just want to get content up on the screen. How do I just very simply, very easily get my content up there with or without a button? Uh, and the ClickShare present fits into that niche. That's its design. Perfect. Yeah, it is cool because there's there's a little bit of flexibility there because they have so many different models to choose from. And, and even with the ones that will be exiting out with the new CS replacements, I think you still have a great mix of conference. And then you even have some levels that maybe aren't for conference but are above that, like the CSE 800, right? Is that is that still going to be a mainstay for Barco? It is, and that's really kind of a, a large format rack-mounted type solution that's out there. It does a lot of things. There's a lot of ins and outs in the back of that. So it, it I look at the CSE 800 as a specialty kind of yeah. click share. And then the rest are kind of that stock, middle of the road, small, medium, and large conference room right. type solutions. So. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're using the 800 recently in some really cool applications where it uh, is a panel discussion for a medical board. Mm -hmm. And they wanted a very quick, easy, and efficient way to be able to switch between presenters um, without having to worry about software, even though Barco has that ability, they just love the button idea. And so now all of the admins for those presenters can have everything queued. And it's a pretty flawless difference between this presenter on the panel to this presenter on the panel. And within a fraction of a second, they've got their content up. So it's pretty cool. Well, there's a few little secrets out there about ClickShare. I don't think a lot of people are aware of or, or know that just don't have to do with ClickShare, the specific product, but support products for ClickShare. For example, XMS, a management platform. Yeah, right. You put those things on the network, how do I manage them? Well, you can go to your desktop and run from the cloud, XMS. It'll see all your ClickShare, manage them all. And it's free. And that's kind of amazing in itself. The other thing is uh, a lot of people don't know some, something called a button manager. What's a button manager? It allows me to pair my buttons at my desktop if I want to do that. So I don't have to go hit a base station with them. So all these little things are out there that are available that yeah our know. service team uses those tools a ton because it 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 uh helps them get through repairs or replacements right. or yeah. you know lost buttons that sort of stuff very very quickly uh, i don't think there's a day that goes by that i don't hear or see something that i'm going very cool. I had no idea. This is really cool. <laughs> then I got to call Robert. I got to. I got to. How do I let the world know about this one? <laughs> you can call me anytime, buddy. Um, all right. So we've been asking this question a lot, and it's mainstay around the business place, and it's subject matter around the dinner table. Um, so, so Jeff, let me ask your opinion first. Here in Texas, 
we're seeing a certain return to work and mm-hmm. a certain mentality of getting over COVID. Um, and you guys work with customers around the region, like as you mentioned, in mm-hmm. the Tola region. So what do you foresee for the technology business in general and for Barco as we get into the second half of this year? Uh, well, the biggest impact to Barco uh, in those in that segment was obviously the live events market. It went to nothing, right? Yeah. Um, so that is slowly starting to return, uh, and we hope or think the second half of the year we'll see some resurgence there. Um, but on the flip side of that, the the installation market or the system integration market has been strong because a lot of places that are closed are using this time to retrofit or upgrade, and um, you know, so we're seeing a lot of uh, uptake in in that type of business right now. Um, I, I I think. You know, Texas is one of the first states to kind of open uh, us in Florida, right? So I think we're a little ahead of the curve here. Um, But the other thing we're starting to see, and this is affecting everybody, is component shortages. You know, with with everything being shut down for a year, uh, our lead times are increasing, our costs are going up. So I think everybody's starting to feel that. And I I think there's going to be a uh, supply-demand issue the second half of this year. But we should clarify on the the component issues, because I get this question asked a lot. There's a chip shortage out there, which is impacting, I think, Jeff, is projection. and Oh, yeah. It's projection. Is yeah. there anything else that's impacting? Oh, yeah. A lot, almost everything electronic, is it's, it's affecting, yeah. So I've had questions, is a chip shortage impacting click share? And the answer right now is no, it's not. We're using different chipsets in that, that particular base station. So it's good to just clarify that, just to know um, it, it's not a Barco issue, it's a universal issue. Yeah, and, and a lot of the display technologies and projection, you know, uh, those components are done in Asia. And so with, with China having its issues in Taiwan and so forth, we're seeing uh, increased lead times on LED and, and projection uh, where we get some of those components. And I think as a company, we've changed our production mm-hmm. from China to Taiwan. I don't know the extent, though. I- well, and we do a lot of production still in Belgium. And, and it's just the components, the raw components, a lot of them come from Asia. Well, I know there's a lot of conversation that goes on between Robert and I about how to manage those expectations, how to, you know, uh, kind of make the customer aware as they're looking to place orders. Uh, you know, we're all, we've all kind of grown accustomed to, I'm going to place my order <clears throat> and I'll have it, you know, in less than a week. Right, Amazon's kind of ruined us <laughs> as far as uh, the you know even though the the consumer industry is like yeah I'll get it next day it'll show up it's going to be awesome yeah. but in the commercial world those guys are all going back to work placing orders and sometimes that expectation carries through but the the sales team is doing a pretty good job of kind of managing those expectations but what's really helped us is the, our purchasing teams kind of forecasting purchases and and making that stuff in as advanced as possible. Because, again, we we don't, and Robert probably knows better than I do, we don't know what's going to be short until we place the order. And sometimes, you you know, a a truck might hit and we might get exactly what we need in a week or two. And then sometimes, you know, we're we're seeing stuff 14 and 16 week lead times. Yeah, and I think it's... uh... A big reason why Corey and I do the podcast is for education. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily always trying to position something. Um, and so we want to educate the listeners and the viewers that <clears throat> this is a problem right now, but we do feel pretty strongly that, that this problem, just like the way that COVID hit us, yeah. 
will it'll come and go. So hopefully in the next six to nine months, this will will listen back to this or someone will say, oh yeah, I remember when that was a problem. Yeah. You know, that's that's my real hope. But I do want people to understand that it's it's a mixture of things like you guys are touching on. It's it's ship shortages, right. increasing cost of metal. Uh, increasing cost of wood. So, I mean, we, we like the guitar pick that we're sitting at today. This is one of our tables. And so that's something else that we have to be cognizant of is that, yes, there are lead times. There are some, some price increases across the board, but I think that's just a big part of the world we live in. And that just like COVID, we'll get over this too, right. get over this hump oh, yeah, and no things doubt. will be yeah. stronger uh, at the Ro- end of the Robert day. Robert is the forever optimist. I think Jeff and I are on the, the right side of the table here because I'm the guy in our meetings going, we're not going to be able to get anything. It's going to be <laughs> terrible. He can, you can stay on the negative boat, and, and Scott and I will be on the friendship shore. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm dragging your product to shore, so just so you're aware. I can be positive because we have plenty of product and distribution. <laughs> um, the, the, so, I guess the nice thing is it, it won't just be Taurus not able to get the product, right? It'll be it'll be everybody. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, and it, we, it's not like they're going to go to Best Buy over Amazon and, and decide that they can just pick it up. Yeah, no, that's true. It's global. Everybody's feeling it. Right. Yeah. And if we take another spin at the positivity of it, then I think this <laughs> what this helps customers understand is that there's a lot more planning when it comes into it. Now, there are certain customer types that get funded, let's say, from the government or the state locally. And the way they receive their funds, that's just the way it is currently. Right. But maybe they use this as a use case to, to speak to legislation about how they can actually get those funds and planning a lot more ahead of time. Right. Um, because then that's just going to make everybody's lives easier. Supply chain management becomes easier, understanding what that is. The integrator's life understands that they can pre-plan. And overall, your integration and your customer service experience is just going to be tremendously better yeah. uh, because of all that. So I think there are some good tokens. It's kind of hard to quantify um, how great that will be once we come all out of it. But uh, maybe you can just listen to the podcast again in nine months and be like, oh, Robert, Robert was right. <laughs> um, okay, so... Just, you're right more than you're wrong, as much as I dislike saying that on My camera. wife says exactly the opposite. <laughs> or she won't admit it, so... But I appreciate you saying that. I'm also married. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's, Corey's my work wife. Um, so... Just another question for you guys, because I think it's interesting. Again, subject matter for everybody. Mm-hmm. The the work from home environment. Hold on, you, wait a minute. What's up? Why do I have to be the work wife? Well, I mean, why are you not the work wife? You know what? I mean, let's just move on. <laughs> See, I I'm pretty sure he's the work wife. If you listen to that later, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so we're okay. Um, so the work from home environment. I want to um, hear that in nine years. <laughs> <laughs> um. The work from home environment, we are seeing kind of a mixed bag from different customer types. Um, you know, I think when, let, if I just touch on education, we we have a lot of customers in higher education and work from home is not really subject matter for them, so to speak, more of uh, how can we provide a better experience to the student? And does that mean that the students need to be in, in the classroom or give them a hybrid role or maybe certain styles of classes can be taught 100% remotely? Right. Where in the corporate world, it's it's really vertical dependent. So if you work for a bank or you work for a government entity, um, then it's it's kind of a mix. And so I'm curious to see, as you guys are going out and meeting with customers and integrators, what you're hearing a majority of, let's start with the corporate world, what their plan is for return to work. And I'll start with you, Scott. 
Yeah, a lot of the enterprise that I've talked to uh, almost unanimously are planning on a, a back-to-work strategy in the fall, September, October. It's, it's, it's what I hear all the time. Uh, and they're looking for the summertime right now to kind of rebuild or restructure uh, their, their meeting environment. So it's, it's really a whole hybrid concept. It's back to work. Yes. But it's also, and why do I say that? Because every time they're talking about a meeting room strategy, it always involves zoom or Microsoft teams in the enterprise nine times out of 10 it's teams. And so again, they're like, how does, how does Barco and, and what you sell integrate with teams? Well, click share conference is designed to work with Microsoft yeah. Teams. And so we have a great story again for that, but it, it plays into the whole conversation and it impacts all, all companies that are out there. Everything I think that, that you guys sell and design, it's around this whole idea of the strategy. It is back to work. It's using the summertime to get things in order with people counting on coming back into the office September, October timeframe. That's really what I'm seeing. Very cool. Jeff, are you, are you hearing kind of the same thing? Yeah, pretty much. Um, a couple other verticals like uh, museum spaces, uh, there, there, you know, a lot of immersive stuff going on. I'm sure everybody's seen the Van Gogh stuff and all. So that's really, really building right now. And uh, they're just trying to make those uh, spaces safe. But uh, it's, it's definitely get them open and get people in. Uh, the theme park business is desperate to get open again and get rolling. I saw something about Disney is... Uh, now pretty much fully open again or, or pretty close to it. So, um, you know, those verticals are really, you know, chomping at the bit. And then you've got the, the concert touring industry or the, or the, uh, the events industry. Uh, they're dying to get back. So every, everybody I talk to in, that, in those groups, they, they just can't wait to have the entertainer start touring again and get going. Right? I've already lined up three concerts for this, yeah. uh, this summer and fall, so I'm super excited to get back to live music. Yeah, well, you can see it at local bars, but it's nice to be able to like get to go to a Chris Stapleton concert mm-hmm. again, things like that. Well, I, went, I went to my first concert in like a year and a half, two weekends ago. It was fun. What what concert was it? It was for uh, Bowling for Soup. Oh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> Bowling for Soup. <laughs> They're a Denton-based band, and they did a show at Lava Cantina. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to Bowling for Soup since the '90s. I'm not quite ready to like get in the middle of the crowd and the thing i like about that venue is they have vip tables that are you, you know go. they're not really spread out but like the nearest person to me is like that yeah. whereas on the floor you know you're yeah. you're shoulder to shoulder because so. we're getting older so we, we don't want to be table. in the mix anymore yeah it, honestly it has nothing to do with covid i just don't i just don't want to I just don't want to rub up against a bunch of sweaty people. <laughs> I just want to sit in my chair. That's and, a drop right there. Yeah, it is. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> you should make sure you keep that. <laughs> um, hey, listen, guys, I really appreciate y'all's time. It was great to have y'all on. Um, you come back again, we get you your own custom bobblehead. Yeah. I'm just, All right. Yeah. Okay. And then that then it's a big deal. Okay. Like Jeff and Scott are on the show again. Looking forward to that. I think that would be great. I don't think I've ever had a bobblehead image done of me. No, neither have I. That's, uh, that's very special. Don't worry. So, we'll be nice. That will be back for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so thank you for everyone for, for tuning in, for listening, for viewing. If you would like more information on Barco and all their products and services, we'll drop a link below. So please click there and be on the lookout for more podcasts soon. Thanks as always for myself, for Corey Church. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.